Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. JazzCast Pros. Because Alzheimer's is a stigmatized disease, and it's something that we don't talk enough about, and when we do, it's very hush-hush. Um, and certainly there are, there are aspects of the disease that no one is comfortable discussing. Uh, for example, the decline in personal hygiene in some people, but it's a very real part of the disease symptoms and the progression, so we have to talk about it, because if we don't, Nothing's going to happen. If the senior in your life forgets how to prepare a meal that they've prepared all their life, right? And they're standing in the middle of the kitchen and they just can't figure out what the heck am I going to do right now? That doesn't automatically mean they have Alzheimer's, right? But it does mean that you need to have a conversation. You can't just ignore it. You can't just say, well, you know, she's 70 and you know, that happens all the time. No, that not necessarily, right? Welcome to Igniting Hope Radio, where we realize the differences between equity and equality. Here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, quite frankly, we don't want equality. We want equity. The only way to change hearts and minds is through emotional engagement, to get people behind it and continuously support the concept with facts. This is our aim and our mission weekly as you join Pastor George on Igniting Hope Radio. Hello again, this is Pastor George Nicholas and we're here again with our Igniting Hope podcast from the Buffalo Center for Health Equity. If you want more information about our podcast or any of the work that we're doing, please go to buffalohealthequity.org buffalohealthequity.org. You'll see uh, activities that we're doing for the Buffalo Center for Health Equity. You'll see a link on where you can hear some of the, our other podcasts and just get more information about what we're doing. Today, we're going to have a special conversation about Alzheimer's. You know, Alzheimer's disease is something that is really impacting. And you look at our senior population, those who are, are 70 and above, we find that almost about 21% one in five are living with with Alzheimer's. And African-Americans are twice, two times more likely to have Alzheimer's disease than our white brothers and sisters. And there's a lot of things that are attached to that, right? And one of the things that we're learning from looking at the issue of Alzheimer's is that uh, oftentimes African-Americans get diagnosed later. uh, So the disease has progressed more and which limits the options of some things that we can do to try to offset the spread of it. There's no cure yet, but there are things that we can do to slow down its progression. And there's a lot of stuff going on with clinical trials right now. There's been some promising results of some clinical trials that have come out recently as it relates to Alzheimer's and other mental health or dementia-type related diseases. But one of the things that we're also learning is that we're not getting as many African-Americans participating in these clinical trials. And a lot of that is from historical, uh, you know, african American. it's not just around Alzheimer's, but other diseases that 
African Americans are less likely to participate in these clinical trials. Um, and there's some legitimate reasons for that. But I think what we need to really, you know, look very closely on how we can get more people from our community to get engaged in these clinical trials. And also we're learning that vascular disease, diabetes, which is prevalent uh, in uh, the African-American community, there has been some data and some research that is, is beginning to see if there's some linkages uh, between uh, some physical health uh, issues, especially as vascular diseases and the onset of, of Alzheimer's in our senior population. And so today we want to talk about those things. They're very, very important. And one of the things that spreads the, not say the growth, but just the impact of Alzheimer's on our community is our lack of conversation about it. And we got to break down the stigma. And so today we're going to have a conversation with Claire Corwin, who is with the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York and a community outreach specialist. And she and I have been working closely together for uh, planning on what we're going to call Purple Sunday uh, at Lincoln Church, the first Sunday in June. So this by, by the time you hear this, it might have passed. But it also gives you an opportunity if you want someone from the Alzheimer's Association to come in and speak to your community group or speak to your church about, uh, you know, what can uh, just giving you information or what can be done. Uh, you could certainly reach out to Claire and Claire will share uh, how you can reach her. So uh, welcome to Igniting the Igniting Hope podcast, Claire. And can you just share a little bit about the work that you're doing and kind of the, the intro I laid out and, and why it's so important for us to engage in this conversation? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, the The role that I hold is a very unique one. As a community outreach specialist, you're saying, okay, well, the community is all around us, but we know that, you know, as you so well articulated before, certain communities are, are more greatly impacted than others. And we have access to different resources. So my job is to, to find the communities that don't necessarily have uh, historically the same amount of education surrounding Alzheimer's or dementia or the same access to care when it comes to diagnosis and then caregiver support along the continuum of the disease um, and work to support them. Let them know what we offer as far as education, caregiver support, and lead them to those services that can make this diagnosis, which is life-changing, um, a little bit more easier to get through. Because as you mentioned before, there is no cure for this. There are medications on the market that can alleviate the symptoms, but I kind of liken that to taking cough syrup when we have a cold. It'll help my throat feel better if I'm coughing, but it's not going to fix the underlying problem. So understanding that there's nothing that we can do necessarily to stop or slow the progression, but there are things that we can do to support the community who's experiencing this, to support the long distance caregiver, the caregiver who's caring for mom or dad in their home, um, someone who's caring for a spouse who is um, in a long-term care facility. There's so many different things and supports that we have, but it's my job to let people know that we're out there to make them feel comfortable coming to us, um, even to begin with, because Alzheimer's is a stigmatized disease. And it's something that you're, you're absolutely right. We don't talk enough about. And when we do, it's very hush-hush. Um, and certainly there are, there are aspects of the disease that no one is comfortable discussing. It's not something we, we discuss often, uh, for example, the decline in personal hygiene in some people, but it's a very real part of the disease symptoms and the progression. So we have to talk about it because if we don't, nothing's going to happen. Um, 
So that's kind of the idea of, of what we want to do. And what my role is, is to, to let people know that we're here to have those discussions. If we need to talk about personal hygiene and, and different ways to help that person feel supported and still maintain a high quality of life, let's do it. If we need to sit down and have a family discussion with uh, everybody who's involved and make a, a really solid care plan, that's what we're here to do. Um, but the issue that we face is people not knowing what we can help them with. So I think that's a, a big part of my role and my own mission, frankly, is to, to let people know. So so the people, the listeners will clearly understand what Alzheimer's is, right? So a lot of times in the community when grandma or grandpa gets a little older and, well, you know, they, they're just getting a little forgetful and, you know, they're just old and you know how that, can you kind of give me a definition of Alzheimer's and how it fits on the dementia continuum? And then also some of the things that we should be looking for in behaviors as we relate to this. Absolutely. So very good question. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. So any type of cognitive impairment or decline um, can be categorized under our dementia umbrella. There's many, many types um, caused by many different underlying symptoms um, and underlying medical conditions. So we want to make sure that when we're, we're looking at these, you know, collection of symptoms, it's still important to get a specific diagnosis of Alzheimer's, which is marked by plaques and tangles in the brain. Um, or it's important to look at what else it might be. It, Something like dementia symptoms could be as simple as depression that goes untreated. It's very easy to reverse, but it could be something as severe as vascular dementia, which is caused by a lack of blood flow to the brain. So when we're speaking about Alzheimer's, specifically, we're speaking of those plaques and tangles in the brain. And when we're speaking of dementia, we're speaking of our broader term of a collection of symptoms. But it can be a little confusing. No, no, that's that's good. But can you talk a little bit about why it's important not to just overlook it, right? Like if the senior in your life forgets how to prepare a meal that they prepared all their life, right? And they're standing in the middle of the kitchen and they just can't figure out what the heck am I going to do right now? That doesn't automatically mean they have Alzheimer's, right? But it does mean that you need to have a conversation. You can't just ignore it. You can't just say, well, you know, that's she's 70 and you know that happens all the time no that not necessarily right and it's a fine line to walk um you bring up a very good point that that these signs that we notice in people as we age you know we often think that you know aunt whoever is is getting a little senile and i i think that's a hallmark of of the research that we've been able to do and the generational gap in understanding or, or being privy to that research. Because being senile or aging and, and having this cognitive decline is not normal. You're absolutely right. Um, Alzheimer's disease and many dementias are progressive. So if we're noticing signs and symptoms, those are not going to go away. We're not going to be able to sweep them under the rug and that person will eventually progress. Um, and when they progress, I don't just mean cognitively. Um, they will forget how to do many, many activities of daily life, um, they will eventually end up in what we, we call the later stages of the disease, where they will be reliant on someone else for almost all of their needs. And it, it is a fatal disease. So if we don't diagnose this properly at the beginning, we're missing out on so many supports, but also on the education of how to prepare for those later stages. When we look at the continuum of the disease, if we're noticing it in the early stages, we can prepare ourselves for the later stages. And that's why it's so important to have those conversations. And it, it can be a very difficult thing to do. Um, 
certainly there are many ways to go about it, but you have to be person-centered in your approach. I do not like it when people tell me that I'm doing something wrong. You probably don't like it either. I don't know a lot of people that do. So you have to approach it as something, if I'm noticing symptoms in someone, I'm not going to say, okay, well, you do this and you do this and you do this, and this is why it's wrong. This is why, you know, whatever it might be. I want to say, hey, I have noticed that we've been having some trouble getting back home from the grocery store. I have noticed that you've had some difficulty lately, and I just want to know how to help. Are you going through something right now? Do you feel like you could use some assistance and kind of take it from there? It's what I call I statements, what a lot of people call I statements, because it, it's easier to take that blame onto you as the person having the conversation rather than to place it on the person who's experiencing the symptoms. I don't want them to go on the defensive right away because that's just going to shut down the conversation immediately. I want to do it in a comfortable, quiet place where there's not a lot of folks around. I don't want them to feel attacked in any way. And I want to come at it from a supportive angle. You know, there's no point in bringing up a problem without bringing up a solution or, or an approach to trying to alleviate those issues. So I think when we, when we look at having the conversation with folks who are experiencing any type of symptom of cognitive impairment, it's important to come at it from a point of support, but also a point of what can we do to fix this? How can I help you to live as comfortably as possible right now? So we've had lots of, of podcasts around mental illness. And one of the things that, that keeps coming up in these conversations about anxiety, depression, even suicidal ideations and stuff is the notions around stigma. And as I, as I do some of my reading about Alzheimer's, we see also that word stigma coming up as a barrier, as something that family units wrestle with, struggle with in terms of first acknowledging the reality. And first, let me just say this. If you're a father, mother, auntie, or whoever loved one has begun to have dementia, have Alzheimer's, it's not because anybody has done anything wrong, right? So there's there's no reason to, to try to fix blame. There's nothing really you could have done to not have it happen. So liberate yourself from the trying to figure out, you know, who's the blame for this? Because that's really not, it's really not an important conversation. But the, the embracing of the reality of, and again, as we look at the data for, for the African-Americans, you know, we're looking at 21%. We're looking at one out of five of our seniors who have uh, presented with some level of this disease. That's a pretty high number, right? But it, it presents at very different levels, right? But people have to really be free from the notion of stigma because silence or the unwillingness to have conversation about what's really happening will make things exponentially worse. So can you talk a little bit about how do we push past the stigma and some specific things that the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York is, is doing to try to get more engaged in the African-American community and how we can help with that? Absolutely. So I think the, the first thing when it comes to stigma is is truly the awareness that we're trying to promote that you and I are working so closely on Purple Sunday with and letting people know and, and have a comfortable place to 
understand that this is not something that you're right. No one is at fault for. It is a medical condition. It's a disease, very literally. So we need to treat it as such. But I think for so long, we haven't understood exactly what Alzheimer's is or what dementia is. Um, and it's been looked at in a way that the caregivers and the people who are see- looking from the outside in don't necessarily see the reality that that person is experiencing. They don't understand it and try as hard as we can to put ourselves in their shoes. We're never going to fully understand what it's like to have dementia or to have Alzheimer's. So it's really important to look at it from a, a lens of, of compassion um, and understanding that it's it's not anything that that person can control. They're not trying to annoy anyone. They're not trying to be difficult in any way, um, but it's the disease. It's the symptom of what they're going through. So with with stigma, it, it's talking about it. It's talking about the realities of care, about the, the issues that we've seen with diagnosis or how difficult it is to get people in the shower sometimes. Um, and it's it's creating a community of support that I think will be the most helpful as we go through this and finding places where we can talk to other people about it. You know, the whole idea of Purple Sunday and of faith outreach is really to to let people know that the church is also here to support you. And people who might not be comfortable, you know, coming to me about something, they don't know me, but they do know you. And they can talk to you about things that they would never talk to a stranger about and get more comfortable with it and understand and bring education to the table and then be able to look at Alzheimer's or dementia symptoms through a more clinical lens as well. It's not someone just repeating themselves to repeat themselves. So one of the ways that the Alzheimer's Association is is really looking to support the Black community in Buffalo is to be more involved, A, to bring ourselves out there and, and let people know that this is a disease. These are the resources that we have for you. What questions do you have? How can we help you? So aside from Purple Sundays, we actually have a a Buffalo Caregiver Forum coming up, which we invite almost anyone to attend um, to share your thoughts, opinions on what might be most helpful, your experiences in caregiving and watching a friend be a caregiver, your own experiences, um, or just thoughts on how to support the community better and to truly be present for those folks. Um, In that same vein, we also have a City of Buffalo caregiver support group launching, which is very exciting because it's a a way for people to to sit truly and talk without the stigma. Because you have stigma with Alzheimer's disease as the person who's diagnosed. It's scary. It's often daunting for people to see folks in many stages of the disease like you've talked about. But it's also a different experience for the caregiver. They are going through stages of grief at any given point. So to have that support is really helpful, but not just support from other folks, but people who are experiencing the disease in the same way that they would in their in their neighborhood, in the, in the places that they go to. How can they meet up for coffee? How can they talk about certain experiences that maybe I've never experienced? So to have caregiver support groups with people who are experiencing things in similar ways, Aside from the City of Buffalo group, we have one for wives, for daughters. Uh, we have a men's group. We have one um, for folks who are caring for someone in a long-term care facility because all of these are different experiences. We all experience each day differently. Um, so caregiving is is no different in that regard. Because, see, this is so important. And, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, we do the work that we're doing with the Buffalo Center for Health Equity and our Igniting Hope podcast. We want to raise very important issues. We want to advocate for structural and systemic changes, but we also want to 
let people know there is help available. And I can say firsthand through working with uh, at first Sandy White and then with Lauren Ashburn and now with Claire that the Alzheimer's Association has is committed to engaging with the African-American community to bring resources. Uh, one of the things that, as Claire was talking about, about caregiving and, we, you know, prior to the pandemic, and we're, hopefully we're going to be able to get it back going, but uh, we had at Lincoln Church our the first inner city respite center where people who are caregiving for uh, their loved ones who are suffering with Alzheimer's could come and and bring their their loved one to to the church and we would engage with activities with them and and give the caregiver a break where they could just go out and, and get their hair done or do their banking or just just go to a movie or something like that. And these services, these types of things are so, so important and they're available. They're, they're available to us in the African-American community. And not only is the Alzheimer's Association making those services available, but they're eagerly trying to engage in connections and relationships in the community because they see the numbers just like everybody else does and know that you, you can't be the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York and not engage or not recognize that in the African-American community, you know, African-American seniors are twice as likely to have Alzheimer's than whites, right? And that's something you have to acknowledge and you have to work in collaboration with community. So, you know, what services are available and how do people get in contact with the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York? So the first thing I always I always pitch to people is we do have a 24-7 helpline. So if you're just looking for emotional support, if you want to register for something you've seen online, if you need to talk with someone at 3 a.m. because the person you're caregiving for is up, their sleep schedule is all messed up and you are at your wit's end, where I won't pick up my phone at 3 a.m., they always will. That number is 1-800-272-3900. Um, and they are an excellent group of people. It's always staffed. You will always talk to a real person. Um, but specifically, the Western New York chapter has tons of supportive services, not only for the person living with the dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, for, for those folks who are living with the disease, we have peer-to-peer -peer support. We have support groups. We have social engagement events. Um, and those are all free. We'll go and we'll take tours of the Albright Knox. We will um, do yoga. We'll have lunch together here in our office. There's all types of different things. If you're interested in something specific, let us know. I guarantee if someone else is, then, then we are too. Um, but we're always looking for different ways to engage people who are living in the early stages because when, when you get this diagnosis, your life doesn't stop. But that stigma is still pervasive. And I might be concerned if I'm diagnosed that I'm going to say something wrong or that my friends are going to judge me or the community might might not understand what's going on with me personally. So these events are a good way for those folks to, to come together without stigma and to really truly be themselves and to have an afternoon that they enjoy. So those are, those are some of my favorite services that we offer. Um, and certainly if anyone is interested, I will put our office number at the end. Um, we have safety services that are so, so, so important. Share the number with us now and, and, and your website so people can know how to get in contact with us. Absolutely. So the Western New York chapter is 
626-0600. And then our website is alz.org slash WNY. It's pretty easy. Um, but if anyone ever has questions, they're welcome to call our office at any time. We'll always get back to you. So leave a message if we don't pick up. But to start utilizing these services, all you got to do is call us. We we would love to, to enroll you in a safety service, to get you signed up for a support group, anything like that. Um, as far as safety services, we have a really excellent program that enrolls both the person living with the disease and the caregiver. Um, it's called Medic Alert Wander Support. And it's all about finding people safely if someone with dementia were to go wandering, to think that they might be going up to the street to get something really quickly, um, but we don't know where they are. But it also tells me that when I'm enrolled in this program and, and my picture and my medication list and my allergy list is released to folks that, that I'm also being approached calmly and respectfully. We want to acknowledge that that person, you know, it isn't going to maybe respond as, as someone who is undiagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia or is living a healthy life um, free of that diagnosis would respond. So we want to make sure that they're being approached calmly and respectfully and that safety net is in place. So we enroll the person for a year. Um, they can renew with us. And then they also get a bracelet that says, hi, I'm Claire. I'm a caregiver for so-and-so, whatever it might be. Um, and that'll trigger a well-being check if something were to happen to me to make sure that that person with the disease is sound, found safe. Um, we also pay for a, a driver's evaluation program through ECMC. So if the person that's diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia is having a tough time giving up the keys, if they're, we're noticing some issues with their driving, then it might not be as safe as it once was. Um, they can go and get assessed and ECMC's occupational therapy department will give some recommendations on where to go with next steps as far as driving. Um, we have tons of caregiver support groups, like I told you. We have so many specialized ones and we're trying to make them as accessible as possible. Sandy White is actually um, one of the facilitators for our City of Buffalo group. So we're trying to make it that people recognize the names, they recognize the faces, it's somewhere comfortable um, where they can really come together and, and talk about their experience as caregivers. And there's all different types. So if anyone has a specific type of group they'd like to see um, or if they, they have questions about them, they're more than welcome to call our office as well. We offer care consultations, which are a big part of what we do. And a care consultation, it, it sounds big, but it's really just a meeting with someone like myself from the association where we can talk about uh, disease information. If you have tons of questions about progression and medications, if you have questions about care options or different services in the community, or if you just need emotional support and Maybe your friends aren't able to chat that day. You can call our office. We'll go get coffee. Um, we'll, we'll try to come to that person as much as we can. We'll do Zoom. We can do over the phone. It can be whatever you're comfortable with, but we want to make sure that people have that support too, because just like anyone else, our caregivers need, need some time to express things. They need time to ask questions. And if a person living with the disease wants to call in and has questions, they're more than welcome to as well. So the other thing that we do, you had mentioned the respites through Lincoln. We try to train respites across Western New York so that people have, caregivers have that option to drop their loved one off for a day of activities, um, for meaningful activity and socialization with other people. But also they have that opportunity to take an uninterrupted nap. They can read a book. They can do whatever they want. 
And we try to make that something that's that's enjoyable for both parties. And we also provide respite funding through the Office for the Aging. So if you know that your loved one might enjoy attending an adult day center or need some help in the home, you can call us and we will refer you to whatever Office for Aging service is in your county. And we'll get you started with that as well. So and all these services are available to you. You know, so, you know, we talk a lot about it with the, at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity about developing this community of care. And so here is a, an important piece of that community of care for our, our seniors, our senior saints, who have given so much to us on their, on their journey. And while they're in the, the August of their years, they may be struggling with some things. And, and so we don't want to ignore their struggle. We don't want to use phrases, well, you know, she's... You know, she's a little touched and all these things that we say in, sometimes in the community that we repeat and they're not helpful because they're, they're just ways to deflect from the reality of, of what's happening with our loved one. We need to acknowledge that there are some challenges there, but in the acknowledge of that, make sure that we treat our, our senior saints with dignity and with compassion um, and then we want to make sure that we get them the right information, the right tools, get them connected to the right services. And one of the things that I really acknowledge and enjoy with the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York is their, their acknowledgement of the, the racial disparities and the importance of cultural competency. And so if there's programmatic ideas or things that that would better align themselves with the cultural experiences of our senior saints, then they're absolutely willing and eagerly uh, willing to create those things or partner with organizations and institutions within the African-American community. So those experiences will will be culturally relevant for our, our loved ones. So we're really excited about the opportunity to work in collaboration with the Alzheimer's Association. They are a member of our African-American Health Equity Task Force. And so they're they're fully engaged in the work as around health equity, but also certainly operating in their area of expertise as it relates to our, our senior saints. So we thank you so much, Claire, for Claire Corwin, the Community Outreach Specialist from the Alzheimer's Association of Western New York. We want to send a special shout out to, to Lauren Ashburn, who uh, has been promoted uh, to doing some other great work, but she's still, you know, working on these issues. And she has been a great partner and a great friend to us. And, and certainly Claire is is filling, defining her role, not filling Lauren's role, but defining and, and creating her own space in this work. And we really appreciate uh, her. And then certainly Sandy, who has been, uh, Sandy White, who's been a real champion uh, in this space and, and has been a great ambassador of bringing these services into the African-American community. So this is uh, Pastor George Nicholas from the Buffalo Center for Health Equity. Uh, you have been listening to the Igniting Hope podcast. If you want more information about our work, uh, certainly go to buffalohealthequity.org, buffalohealthequity.org. And uh, we will uh, be able to make sure that you have all the information that you need. So please uh, pay special attention to this, this podcast today and reach out to the Alzheimer's Association or reach out to us 
and we will make sure that your loved one and you will get the help that you need. So thank you, Claire, once again, and thank you for listening to Igniting Hope podcast. entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. At Start With Sleep, the parent company to the Doze, we're looking to simplify the process of getting you consistent and better sleep. So we're excited to unveil a unique approach to home sleep testing as part of our new model. Our unique device, unlike traditional options, can be used for up to 28 days. It's a convenient, easy-to-use, and wallet-friendly option. Plus, we deliver it free, right to your doorstep with free returns. No more back and forth to doctor's appointments. Also, if you have a sleep disorder, we provide remote appointments that fit your schedule with no travel needed. A prescription for therapy is also provided without the need to spend multiple nights in a sleep lab. Last, it's a great tool for gaining actionable insights on how to improve your sleep. Visit us at startwithsleep.com to schedule yours today.